Introducing the Corner Booth, a football podcast covering the latest trends and news in college football and the NFL. Here are your hosts, Jared and Mark. All righty, welcome into the Corner Booth podcast. Great show for you guys today. It may be the Pro Bowl week for football, but we still have a lot of fun today. We're going to have our boy John Jackson Jr., a.k.a. Juice, stopping by. He might play a little report card with us. So we've got the rundown. Got a lot of crazy stuff. We've got the Hall of Fame announcement. Knicks putting half their team on the trade block. The Chiefs have a new D.C. And the transfer portal claims a new team as a victim. So check it out. Let's rock and roll. Mark, I'm going to let you kick it off with the rundown. Let's get it started. All right, we'll start with the rundown. We got the Baseball Hall of Fame. Like I said, baseball always knows how to get in the news randomly. It's like they're out, like you never hear about them, and then boom, Baseball Hall of Fame. They'll always figure a way to get in the media. But this is a good, I think it's a good Hall of Fame class. Uh, you got Mariano Rivera, who was the first unanimous decision uh, inductee. Edgar Martinez, Mike Mussina, and Roy Holiday, RIP in peace. Um Mike Mussina is getting a lot of heat. Even uh, I was watching the press conference. He was surprised he uh, got inducted. But everyone, there's a lot of people who are actually pissed about this this group here. I mean, obviously Mariano is the the best. He's the best closer to ever do it. But people are pissed that he got the unanimous unanimous one, and not somebody like Griffey and people like that. So well, thoughts here's on the thing that? about Mariano. Rarely was ever injured his entire career. Was dominant, essentially, until you hung up his cleats. And he is just in... He, he was the best of his position of all time. That strikes me as unanimous to me. Griffey had injuries towards the end of his career. And that you could just throw in other things as well. I think, yeah, there was a lot of players who could, like... Who possibly could have been up for that. But at the end of the day, I still think there should people should be ticked about it. Well, cracks me up on Mucina, and you know, you guys also know how much I hate this whole no steroids guys in the Hall of Fame. It's, you know, how much I think it's complete bullshit. But I looked at, like, you know, I loved Mike Mucina when he was playing for the Yankees, just because, like, the guy, his knuckle curve was insane. The guy was just a great pitcher for the Yanks in in the mid two thousands, and for the Orioles as well in the late nineties. And it was a great, he was a great pitcher. And maybe I don't think he should have been this year. I think maybe another year down the line. I think it's time we got to put the hall. F- the, the steroid guy's got to go. Edgar Martinez made sense, no problem. And my buddy Ray actually knew Roy Holiday, and he was really emotional. He got inducted, but I Roy Holiday duh, was one of the most dominant pitchers of our generation as child as of our childhood. So, like yeah. honestly, to me, him getting in was a no brainer. So Martinez, Rivera, and Holiday, no brainers. Mussina, eh, I go with it, and um. I don't know. I mean, the steroid guy should be getting it at this point. I just, it's ridiculous to me. Just at least Barry Bonds. I don't give a crap about Roger Clemens, but Bonds, A Rod next year. Like let these guys in the Hall of Fame. They're some of the greatest players in the history of baseball. That's it, the thing too. They're 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 saying like even like you said yeah whatever Clemens, but like how are you not gonna have Roger Clemens not in? But like Mike Mussina gets in, and I understand like it like the steroids and everything, but like and like you said Barry Bonds. What he did, regardless of with steroids or without steroids, is insane. Steroids like, does not help your hand-eye coordination. That dude literally was, like, just the most dominant hitter. The guy had walks that went the entire length of the Golden Gate Bridge. That's it was insane. insane. It's insane. The guy was a great hitter regardless of the steroids. 
So like you want like oh my god, so did about how you want the I guarantee out of the guys who are coming in now, I guarantee Edgar Martinez had something because the dude had ripstick power when he was playing. Griffey, you can kind of say he didn't because the guy was so skinny, but like there's a lot of these guys now we're getting to this generation who have like possible H like steroid usage. And now it's just getting ridiculous because it's like these are the guys we grew up with, chill, like our childhood heroes in baseball, and it's getting ridiculous. And I, I'm getting it. I'm getting annoyed because Bonds is the all-time home run hitter. Roger Clemens is, I think, two or three in strikeouts. I know it's it's him, Carlton, Nolan Ryan, and Randy Johnson are like one, two, three, four. I think it's him, Johnson, and Nolan Ryan are like one, two, three, um, or three, two, one. But <laughs> I, I don't know. It's Something of that order. It's uh, listen. I'm a Diamondbacks fan. Randy Johnson's records are important to me, but um, you gotta have something. So yeah. Hey, shut up. Um, 2001. Remember it. <laughs> um, so all I like, what I gotta say is like this: it's it's time. All right, MLB, the Major League Baseball profited so much off of that era, and it became such a pop. It rose to even like its peak popularity in the early 2000s, late 90s, because of the steroid era. Enough. The, they're not even all proven. Yeah, exactly, like it's all right? like, like allegations. That's the crazy part. Like I could see if there was legitimate like guilties. I know that's like pretty much, but it's still like just let them in. Like you said, they provided so much for baseball. They didn't call them out until after it was said and done. It, it's just I, I agree. The baseball Hall of Fame will always be that snobby. Like oh, you can't get in because of this. Like dude, like I said Barry Bonds, what he did. Even people that took steroids wouldn't be able to do what he did when he wasn't even supposedly on steroids. So yeah, it, it's it, even when he before he was accused, like when they like the years, the dude still was on pace to hit 500 home runs. It wasn't like he wasn't going to be a Hall of Famer anyway. Yeah, and all right, like 90 percent of the balls he hit, like it wouldn't take steroids to hit those balls. Like they they were so far over. I, I you know it's just there's so many logical explanations you can make for this, but it's just I, I just I'm done with this. Baseball writers are fucking idiots. Um, all right, next up. All right, sticking with baseball, a little uh, to your way. Uh, AJ Pollock, traitor. Yeah, traitor. More like he just wanted to get out of Arizona. He has officially signed with the Dodgers. I know that even makes you more mad because you dislike the Dodgers. They are the sports team I hate the most in all of sports. It's more than Florida State, more than the Dallas Cowgirls, more than the New Orleans Saints, and more than the Duke Blue Devils. I despise the Dodgers so much, but they're getting an injury-prone center fielder who really only had one good season with us. And honestly, we didn't want to pay. That just is less cap we have to spend, which is great. We get a first-round pick out of it because it was like a comp- – a compensatory pick or something like that. So that's fine. I don't care. Honestly, I just I, I just hope Archie Archie Bradley puts a ball by his dome in the first time I play the Dodgers. That's fine with me. I see. I'm curious to see like if the teammates and stuff in that organization are feel the same way, or it's just like a fan base like well, kind of like the fans. The fans definitely hate the Dodgers more, but like it's the Zach Granke thing kind of threw even more fire onto that flame. But like when they jumped in the pool, and then Granke comes to the Diamondbacks and. You know, you got the the Clayton Kershaw. Like he's Clayton. The person who's happiest Clayton that Goldschmidt went to the Cardinals was Kershaw, because that man haunted Kershaw's nightmares. And now I'm hoping all these young guys we got just I'm re- like you know I'm hoping we pull a Braves. Like 
yeah, we won't win the, the World Series this year, but I'm hoping, like, all these young guys we have, apparently, like, our farm system, because of the Goldschmidt trade, went from, like, 10th to, like, 4th. And it's all, like, guys who are, like, one, a couple months away. So I'm hoping, like, you know, we have, like, this great young team going forward. I don't know. But uh, it's, I don't know. It's, I, I, I kind of wanted AJ Pollock gone because I, yeah, I think he's overrated. But whatever. Um, Next up. Next up, uh, going to the NFL and the poor Chiefs and how they now just been uh, exited from the playoffs and pretty much because their defense couldn't stop Tom Brady. And the reason for that was supposedly the defense coordinator, which they fired, and now Andy Reid's going back to his roots and possibly it's – I don't think it's confirmed officially. Maybe when you guys listen to this it will be, but – Steve Spagnuolo should be the next defensive coordinator for the Chiefs. There was a lot of Rex Ryan talk, which I just want to see him back in the media, not on TV like that. I want to see him coaching so he says dumb things like we're coming for the Patriots or something like that. But, yeah, Spagnuolo, what do you think? I love it because Spags is one of the old school, like, Andy Reid disciples. Before there was Dougie P and he was him, Jim Harbaugh. Those were the old school guys from the like the Jim Johnson era, Andy Reid years. And as much as like, as much as I hated when he was on the Giants, and he was like their he 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 was the inventor of like that NASCAR. He was not the inventor, but he he like made that NASCAR package with the four defensive ends famous. I love it. I think it's a great fit because Andy Reid's bringing back one of his old guys, and now. Um, I just think it's – I love the move. I, honestly, if we were going to do this in a report, I'd give it like a, an A-. minus. It's just, it's just a solid move. Like right now, the Chiefs' biggest weakness last year was their defense, and now you give a guy like Spagnolo, who coached a lot of good Giants teams with great defenses, and that's kind of what he does best. He's not really – we proved with the Rams he wasn't head coaching material. Oh, he but, was not. He was, he was terrible. Yeah. He was not good. Yeah, so like this, this is a perfect form. Um, can you imagine Andy Reid and Rex Ryan on the same coaching staff? I feel like that is such opposite personalities that Andy Reid would just lose his mind. Oh yeah, like the, when I heard Andy Reed, when I heard Rex Ryan, I started cackling. I'm like, yeah, it ain't happening. I'm trying to think who Rex Ryan would even fit because he's gonna have such a big voice. It well, and then they're talking about Rob Ryan. His brother is in the talk for like. Defensive coordinator positions and whatnot. Can we just let the Ryan brothers go? Like, I mean, I love them. Keep them around. I, I love them in the media because it was hilarious. But like, I just wish Rex did not work for ESPN. That's the one thing that bugs me. He's not too good at it, honestly. I don't think. I he mean, also, I think is you know you got the you got the House of Mouse like with like a nice little like, you know, just you got to watch yourself when you're working there. Yeah. All right. Uh, next topic is this. Netflix and Hulu sensation. I don't know if anybody heard about it, but there was this fire festival. It's like a music festival that was supposed to happen like a year ago. And I never remember hearing about it, but supposedly it was crazy. The media, there was like insane amounts of influencers. I watched the Netflix uh, documentary last night. It was something else. It's Hulu, right? No, there's two. There's one on Netflix and one on Hulu. There are two different, like two different people made it and everything. So I don't have Hulu. So I watched the one on Netflix and it's great. So, like, gist of it is, is that there's this guy, Billy, Billy McFarlane, and he's this young entrepreneur, and he teams up with Ja Rule, and he's like, oh, we should make, like, the greatest music festival ever. They say they buy this island. 
make all these videos with all these models, tell like convince all like thousands and thousands of like kids for which they're shitting on millennials for buying these tickets. And then they get these kids to like go. Moral of the story is they do it, they try to do it in too short of time. All these people show up, doesn't happen. Dude like gets sued and it's going to jail either way. Yeah, three years. Definitely watch. Six years actually. Wow, six? Yeah, but he the whole time, like he gets put on bail as soon as he gets to put on bail he like hits up this 23 year old kid and is like yo i'm in some heat right now i need you to be the face of this new company i'm starting while like literally days after he got let off bail and he's scamming more people he's like oh sending out emails saying you want vip access to the grammys and shit like dude like this guy is just addicted to scamming people i, I you know what's so funny i heard like that that whole thing i heard they like the hula one According to our own Peter Mitchell, he he watches he I guess he watched it yesterday while he had his day off and he uh was telling me on uh, last night he was like saying how after he'd already gotten busted, he they were doing a behind the scenes camera like the way the whole behind the scenes thing was going, that's the way the Hulu one is filmed. Yeah, same as Netflix like Yeah. But the reason they filmed it was because they wanted it to kind of be like this great like if it was successful be like oh this great documentary. But it turned into a colossal failure. And he says after he got busted, he still tried to like start stuff up again. So while he's under, like, while he's that's under what I'm saying. That's what that's what I just said. When he was literally I, on like, bail, it's insane. And they got on a video, which cracked me up even more. He even wanted on video. He said he he said the original time he was like record everything so it's natural. Like I won't want everything recorded. Like don't tell us whatever. And then even when he's at like this massive studio, right after he gets out from bail. He still has some. He has. He calls up his this crew and is like, "Yo, I want you to record all this." Like, I don't know what. Like, he was like, he came off as this like genius, and he kept saying like, he would say like, "I'm not going to jail," and you were convinced. Like, you actually believed that this dude was going to somehow talk his way or sell his way or get out. Like, he would make five million dollars of not real five million dollars, but he would make five million dollars like it's nothing. Like, he would convince people to pay him two million dollars for like an extra something on this idea and they would just do it i don't know he supposedly he was like an insane salesman something like wolf of wall street type stuff but either way i definitely recommend watching it it's it's funny it's like you learn stuff you can't believe it but i didn't tire of people saying it's all millennials being idiots well i mean here's the here's the problem and our generation is the smartest generation we we also social media we're like the first generation to really run with it and it's kind of like we're getting called idiots by the rest of the world, but we're the first ones trying this out. Like our grandparent, the generation between our grandparents and our parents was the first one to see like you know the '60s, the hippies, the drugs, all the crap, and they were called idiots too. Like so, I, I you know I I'm, I think it's kind of a perspective thing. Like when we go back and look at our generation in like a couple of years. I think it's going to differ from the opinion's going to differ because now you're going to see like, Oh, it wasn't as easy. as Everyone thought it's going to be different because, you know, people are people of our generation were the first to really kind of do this. Like Donald Trump and Barack Obama were the first presidents to do with social media. So, well, not even that, kind of- it, like if you saw the trailer slash video that they sent out with like all these insane, it was like 10 of the top models and like, and like they had four over like 400 influencers, like on the top influencers, influencers in the world post it like if i'm a, like i mean i don't go to these things but the people that do go to like tomorrowland and all these crazy festivals like coachella if they saw this 
And we're like, this looks awesome. Why wouldn't I go? Like, I don't understand why they're shitting on kids for wanting to go to this thing that sounded amazing. Like, there's all there's a bunch of these types of festivals. So if they actually wanted to go, like, that's not like they just got scammed because they people did a really good job of presenting it and marketing it. Yeah. So honestly, there's I I just I don't see I I kind of you know it's it should be on the guy who ripped everyone off. Oh, for sure. It should not be on the millennials. I, I think that angle is kind of stupid. So I, your I agree. girl Kendall Jenner even posted it and got heat for it. She posted the thing and was an influencer for she it. She got paid a quarter mil to do it. I yeah, mean, that's a lot of them to didn't her, really, still. A lot of them didn't really see the money. Though. That's the problem. That's why dude's going to jail. Yeah. But either way, uh, we got a next topic is we got two more topics. We got five-star recruit uh, was planning on going to, or he was going to USC. Brew McCoy. Turns out he doesn't want to USC anymore. Like you said, this beautiful destination that it used to be is not so much anymore. He is, uh, word is that he is transferring to Texas. Thoughts on that? Um, Texas is back. One, as much as you hate hearing that as a Big Ten, as a Big 12 fan. Um, USC, once again, not a power job. You look at Cliff Kingsbury, just completely pulled a toll switcheroo on them. And I think now everyone's kind of just like, yeah, USC is about to go back. Like I told you, college football is cyclical. You're going, it's now going to, we're now going back to like, all the schools that were dominant in the late '90s, true thousands, the Miamis, the Texas—you could even throw like in the—you uh, keep throwing more schools in there, but like I mean, Ohio State, and you keep those teams are starting to go back to dominance again. While the teams that just dominated the last cycle, you know, the USC's, the Clemson's, Clemson probably will still be fine for another four or five years, just because Dabo Sweeney's an amazing coach. But I, I think you're going to see Alabama start to win weather off as the. As we keep going, because apparently I'm Nostradamus when it comes to Alabama now. Don't I don't know how that worked out, but it's college football has always been cyclical. It always will be. So teams go through cycles every ten, eight to ten years. You know they go through a rotation. So you know I, it's about to it's bound to happen. So in ten, yeah, years, I feel like USC though is more of the with Texas though. I feel like USC hasn't been really back back since Matt Liner. Yeah, I mean, they, they had those couple of years where they were, like, right there, but they were Yeah, but they there. had those because Darnold was there, and, like, they had Barkley, but he didn't really succeed. Like, I feel like they need to be back like Texas. I feel like they're one of those – if you're saying cyclical, I think they're the one of those teams that is supposed they to be – They are due back. for it, but they're just not executing. So I think that's more or less the thing. Yeah. All right, either way, uh, well, final topic is the New York Knickerbockers are – Unloading the roster. They're saying, screw this. I think they're all in on Zion, if I'm being honest, uh, even though we think that. Or, or JT Barrett. Or what's not JT Barrett. Uh, RJ Barrett, sorry. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like that is, We both think that he's better of a player, but I definitely think that if Zion's on the board, the Knicks need that type of market. So they'll probably go with him. Uh, so they're planning on getting rid of Hardaway Jr., Courtney Lee, Ennis Cantor, who's like on a watch list for terrorism. So either way, what? I mean. You didn't hear about that? No, I didn't. Oh, my God. He didn't travel to, like, the London game because, like, he was, like, on a watch list over there for some type of terrorist act that he has no idea what they're talking about. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I, this is, All right, it, next topic on the rundown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of, the, one, of the, one of the best mustaches in the NBA is in trouble for uh, terrorism. Great. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's so funny because this dump that they're getting rid of, like, all right, Hardaway Jr., he could Solid be a player. good 
He's a he's a solid player, but he's, he's never a role play. He's a good. He's a good off the bench scorer. That's what he's good. Yeah, for. he could be like he'd be perfect with LeBron, honestly. But like Courtney Lee, eh. and it's Canther, eh. Like all he does is just talk shit to like the best players in the league, and that's about it. I mean, I don't know. I I want the Knicks in my life are never ever going to be good. It seems like it's like the Jets. It's like the Bills. It's just like I don't think we're ever going to see them. There's be a good. couple. Of, there's always that one team in New York for every sport. There's just never going to be like the Islanders in hockey or the. Or actually, no, you can say the Rangers too. Um, so yeah, that is. That's how we'll wrap it up with the the shitty New York Knicks. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right, we are welcoming in friends of the program. Former Southern Oregon <laughs> tackle, John Jackson Jr., a.k.a. Juice. Juice, welcome back. How's it going? How's it going? We are good, man. So, first off, two bowl games under your belt. Uh, how was how the experience for both bowl games in the last, like, month and a half since we talked to you? Um, it was great. Uh, I kind of used the, the podium all-star game as kind of like a warm-up to the um, to the Tropic Bowl because, you know, just bit better talent, I guess you could say. Oh, yeah. So be, being out of football for a couple of weeks and going back into the the All-Star game, the first All-Star game was great, especially after training and kind of feeling how my body was after, you know, working with John Offer and everything like that. So it was a good experience. That's yeah, I was going to say, I was just say you were, when I was uh, listening to your guys' interview before, I noticed that you were talking about all these new things you learned and the fundamentals that you started off. I figured that probably was, like, good to get out and, do like, actually – use those move against somebody instead of just using like a test dummy and actually being able to use what he was teaching you. Exactly. I felt like my get off was ridiculous in that game. Yeah. So I got to ask juice. So in the tropic in the tropic bowl, when you were going against I, we, so we looked at the highlights, there were some D one helmets in that game. What was it like being around guys who, you know, were at like a, you know, like these, some of these SEC guys like Mississippi state, everything else. Did you feel like you were on the same competition level as these guys even you come from a smaller program. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I it definitely just kind of confirmed what I was already thinking that I that I obviously fit and I can obviously hang and obviously and in my opinion I could be one of the best ones out there. Um, it was kind of cool seeing some dudes who when I was younger and um, kind of going through the little the coaching camp circuits. You know, I went to the Lane Kiffin camp back in 2012 at USC. And uh, Kenny Bigelow was a uh, four or five star guy out there, and he was Kenny Bigelow, uh, W yeah. baby. <laughs> yeah, being uh, he was he was real touted out there, so it was kind of cool because I kind of watched him and learned things from him when I was a younger, more unexperienced defensive lineman. And the fact that I get to go back into the Tropic Bowl and got to play play alongside him and see how I kind of matched up with him after years of life and experience, so it was pretty cool. It was a good experience. So yeah, his story is pretty crazy, too, because of how he was at USC, had all those knee problems, and then transferred and ended up having a pretty solid year at WU this past year. Yeah, he played very well. All right, so going forward now that the balls are over and you're still are – you, are you still working with John going forward or is that period over and now it's on to a different kind of segment of the offseason? No, I'm actually in Buffalo as we speak. Wow. Well, I, I am so sorry about the weather up here right now because it is <laughs> – It is it cold. Is God cold. I mean, I'm in Connecticut, and it was zero degrees on Monday. It took me 15 minutes to start my car with a brand-new battery in it. So, I mean, I, yeah, I feel I, your I pain. Looked at the weather. I looked at the weather, and we got seven straight days of snow. So, you know, being from Arizona, <laughs> that's a little little worrisome, but I'm going to be all right. You can be from anywhere, and that's a little worrisome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I grew up in the snow, and this is, it's, that still sounds insane to me. I, one day of snow is enough. 
But yeah, so going forward, you're working with John right now in Buffalo. What's the net like going forward? Because now you're in February, March, and you got the drafts coming up in the end of April. Like, what is it now? Time to more focus on like your your like your physical intangibles. Like, you know, is it now starting to focus on the forty times the the cone drill, the bench press stuff like that? Yeah, um, I'm more working on. So when I was out with John the first couple of weeks, I he cut a lot of body fat off my body, so I lost a lot of weight. And so now it's into more building that up, building my weight back up and basically transforming my body and getting ready for all the pro day stuff at the same time. Okay. So you went from like a kind of a cutting, a cutting thing in the first segment. Now it's about time to put on the the lean muscle and get yourself ready to put on a show essentially. Exactly. I went from 280 to 250 in a, st- in a span of three, three and a half weeks. You know, I need point, to come out to Buffalo. Yeah, I know, right? Me too. John, at one point, I think you only had about 10, 10 15 pounds on me. I need to start working with John now. <laughs> yeah, it was it was nuts. It was nuts. It was definitely. And that was another thing that I liked with the Tropic Bowl is that I was easily the lightest defensive tackle out there, and I still feel like I held my own. Yeah. That's 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 actually really cool to hear, man. We And we wish you the best of luck going forward. But now – since you are a friend of the show, John, and we always love having you on, we are going to have our first ever pull up a chair segment. We're doing the report card with Juice today. And Juice, so the way the system works essentially is we're going to bring up a topic and I'll say what we're grading. And the first topic is, I know you're a Raiders fan, buddy, and I know it was a rough season for you, but your boy Derek Carr going after Stephen A. Smith and apparently, according to Mark, my doppelganger, Max Kellerman... <laughs> <laughs> which I, I swear to God, Mark, I, I will never forgive you for that. Uh, what do you, what do you, what do you talk about Derek Carr after the rough season he had? Where would you guys grade Derek Carr going after like Stephen A, who essentially lives for stuff like this on Twitter right now after the horrible season that just happened? Juice, you go first. Um, I give that a D plus. <laughs> like. In my opinion, you, you're, you're going after the wrong person. You're mad at the wrong people. You should be in the lab working instead of worrying about what the media is talking about. I, I feel you, Mark. What yeah, you that, that's, a, that's a good answer. I, I want to go D just for Derek Carr. I mean, it just sounds like it'd be perfect. Um, I'm going to go with like a B just because right now Max Kellerman is in like the heat for saying how Tom Brady's like trash and he's not really as good as everyone like says he is regardless of how many times he wins. But I love it. I mean, they got – all over you got there's actually like Bovada put up a like a, a bet like it was like Stephen A is minus like 110 Derek Carr is like minus 130 for if they were actually fight I love it I'm obviously a huge like news guy sports guy so any type of media like that's good media but Derek Carr's an idiot like if he's like what are you doing like you already got to worry about Chucky and John Gruden just go go make sure you're a starting quarterback next year and don't worry about Stephen A Smith and Max Collins what, what cracks me up, and I gotta give, I give this a D. I'm with Juice. I give this a D, and it's the, the problem is, is that you are already in hot water, and there's already rumors about you getting traded during the season. Why the hell would you give Gruden any more ammunition to, to get rid of you? To yeah. get rid of you. See, if I was, if I was Derek Carr, I'd be like, all right, John, I'm sorry, I played like crap this year. Will you please bring me in more weapons and a running back who's not 35 years old, so we can actually start run, p- being good again. And to me, I'm just I'm trying to understand like especially as a quarterback, I can see like maybe as you you know this different positions have different types of like personalities. Sometimes 
I was a former, I was a lineman too. So I kind of knew like we're a little cooler headed than say like a corner or uh, like even a receiver would be those guys outside the numbers. I'd expect this out of a receiver or cornerback, not a quarterback who's in charge of the entire offense. It just, it just screams bad decision-making to me. And if it was all in good fun, I hope John, I hope John Gruden knows that because if it wasn't, and he was literally taking shots at Stephen A over Twitter that's not saying you want your quarterback who's supposed to be the cornerstone of your franchise to do. I get a bit D. Only person that is acceptable with would be Baker Mayfield. <laughs> of course. <laughs> if we're being honest, because he's done that like three times already, and he's only been in the league for a year. Exactly. It's just All Baker's right. brand, though. All right, and next up on the report card, we have Josh Jackson, Virginia Tech quarterback, who is who's supposed to be like this freshman phenomenon, and he's supposed to be this great player. He's decided to transfer being the now fourth transfer out of Virginia Tech. We also have running back Deshaun McLeese, wide receiver Eric Kuma, I hope I pronounced that right, and tight end Chris Cunningham. All in the last 24 hours have all transferred out. We have Justin Fuente with a statement, and Juice, you brought this up in the in the pre-show meeting just now about how it was citing disrespect. I, I, I almost feel like... And you look, I mean, I'm a big, I'm an ACC guy. So I had to watch Virginia Tech implode and lose to Old Dominion. And I mean, to me, I'm not feeling as bad, but this is not great for a team that like, you know, the whole Beamer ball culture, it's a good hardy special teams and defense kind of culture with that team. And your entire offense just took off. So I I don't know. I, I give this, I grade Virginia Tech. Right now, their their team is looking like a D, and I give Justin Jackson the benefit of the argument. Give him a C plus. Hopefully, he goes to a good program. So it's a two grader on this one. Yeah, I give Virginia Tech a probably a D again because you got multiple starters leaving and one citing disrespect. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't quite know about that, but I give everybody leaving. I give that an A plus because if you want to leave and you're not happy with your situation, they just gave you a re- they gave you a rule that's allowing you to leave so why not use it yeah i agree i mean the, 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 i was going to ask you too juice like this transfer portal is insane these days like i know you've had like your like you've jumped around like having to do some certain things to get like to where you want it to be but right now it's like guys are transferring like left and right so before you answer like the transfer portal though i'm going to give this i'm going to give it a c i'm just confused because josh jackson was he did really well as like freshman year. They like like me and uh, Jerry. We were talking about how they were one game away from the ACC championship. He gets my hurt Miami last Hurricane year. stomped him. Yeah, <sighs> oh yeah, Miami. Let's go. <laughs> either way, either way. Uh, he was he did well, and he got hurt last year. They didn't do well without him. So if I'm the coach, I'm going to be doing anything I can to keep him to stay, get him to stay because we were good with him. So He's I'm going to give it a it gets a C because I'm just confused and I don't I don't know I don't get it. All right, I, we also Mark brought up just now, and I was actually just thinking about adding this, but the tra- the, the the whole transfer portal, and I, I guess Mark, you can start off with the grade on this one because you brought it up. I look at this with the transfer portal. What do you think of this offseason? Because it's almost felt like NFL free agency. Every time I look up, there's a new there's a new player going somewhere else, and I mean, college football's got so many players in it. And it's not the NFL where there's maybe seven, eight hundred players total in the rotation. It's more of a you're almost looking at thousands of guys in a, in like the multiple different divisions and leagues and everything else. But 
to me, there's a new, I'm hearing new things every day. There's two or three guys transferring. And to me, it's getting, it's almost hectic. I mean, where do, what do you make of this off season with the transfer portal? Mark, you go first. What do you give I love it? I'm giving it an A just because I love the off seasons for NFL. I love the free agent, like the first day of free agency. I love the, when the trade deadlines come into an end and like crazy things are happening. I love all that chaos. And like Juice was saying, like if you want to take your talents and like you think you have a better, better opportunity somewhere else, like go. It also spreads out like the top teams because you won't be having these kids now, I think, coming out of school. Like I don't think we'll be seeing another Justin Fields going to like Georgia because they're going to like, they're not going to want to deal with that competition if they can just go to a school where they know they're the set in stone guy so i love it i'm giving it a transfer portal all day long juice what do you think i give it an a plus because you got coaches leaving and going whenever they feel like it's a exactly wife. exactly and juice you hit my point exactly i you know what and this is this goes back as far as you can think of how many great careers have been ruined at the college level because they're stuck with a head coach that isn't like the like a player and they have they have to what to sit out a year to play again. This whole transfer portal thing allows guys, and it started back in the day with the the, the graduate transfers like Russell Wilson, and it's progressed to this level. And I love it because Juicy said coaches have all this freedom. They're like you know they're the highest paid employees in the state. Why can't these players at least have a better angle and a better shot to be better players? So like guys like Jalen Hurts who are going to be stuck behind Tua for another year? No, go to Oklahoma. Have Lincoln Riley fix your delivery and possibly have a shot at getting drafted. Same thing with Tate Martell going to Mike Haynes. He doesn't want to sit behind um, uh, J- Justin Fields. He wants to get a shot at playing. He actually got granted it. So I love this. This is great for college football. It's more power to the players, and it makes coaches more accountable. It's, it, it adds a balance that we haven't really seen in a very long time. So – Teams with good cultures, who with coaches that are wanting to play for, you're not getting stuck with these coaches that are in these in these bad culture situations where players are like having their careers waste away because they don't want to get transferred, they don't want to get blocked. This whole transfer portal thing allows players to have the freedom to still have shots in the NFL, and I think now this is only going to help the pro level because now you're going to see guys with experience, who, yeah, and more film. Yeah, yeah, there's gonna be less of these exactly. failure bus guys because now the good the good players are getting out of bad situations and are getting a shots to show those show their stuff. So I give it an A plus. I, I love this. All right. And last but not least, Juice. We're we're we James Harden and he dropped sixty one in the Knicks last night, and you know it, it is the Knicks. And we talked about it in the rundown before how they're dumping like half their team in the free agent market, but this is like his. Like crazy, it was Mark. How many was it unassisted with these points? I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly. I remember the one night he had forty-four points and it was unassisted, and Clay Thompson had forty-four points off of like, like a, a, a crazy amount of assists. It's insane what he's doing without having anybody else touch the ball. You know what's crazy to me is like Chris Paul's still out, correct? I mean, I I try to follow as much NBA yes, as I can, yes. but yeah. So what happens when Paul's back? This you said this was unsustainable, and I completely agree with you, because this is not only going to start taking off teammates, but at the same, I mean, if it's winning games, but it's it's not like he's Kobe Bryant, and that's just the Mamba mentality. James Harden's a different kind of guy, and I know Juice, you're an LA guy, so I don't, I, I I'm I'm assuming Lakers at this point. Absolutely, Biggest okay. Kobe Bryant fan you'll ever meet. Oh, yeah, that, thank God, I love Kobe too because he's an Eagles fan. So, um. 
You talk to, to my buddies. My buddies say he's overrated, and I'm like, oh man. Oh, that's that's fighting words. Yeah, I, I love I Kobe. I love Kobe. I, I I personally would rather say Kobe over LeBron. But the thing is, like, I look at what Harden's doing, and it's not like he's playing. You know, jo- James Harden's the team captain of the OLA defense. He does, you know, lets you go right by. And to me, what cracks me up is that it's taking him 61 points. I mean, yeah, they're playing the crappy Knicks. So honestly, you could probably have like. Jason Tatum dropped 61 points if he had a good night. It's 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 the fact he's doing this consistently and the fact it's unassisted. And to, at some point, this that's got to get under player's skin. I'm talking thinking team chemistry down the line because you're going to go into playoffs and he starts doing this. And what's, what if he has a cold night and this game actually well, – He better stop something. shooting the ball. Well, what if he doesn't? What <laughs> well, if he's he not does, going, that's, that's the problem. That. That's the issue with the Rockets. That's why I'm going to give it like a bad grade because – as much hype as this is, there's no way it lasts. And, no the point, and the fact of the matter also is that James Harden a couple nights ago had 58 and still lost. And that's what I said. I got so much heat. I posted on Twitter. I was like, is this me? Like, is this just me or is this like make him less of an MVP when you score 58 points and you lose in overtime to the Nets? Who are like sustainable team this year? They're like kind of like that. Uh, they're just like that tough oh. team. They're like. Yeah, why one, are you losing? Why are you losing after scoring 58 points? Like, make two stops and you win that game. I don't know. Like, the Nets exactly. are that one – the Nets are like a one-piece-away kind of team because D'Angelo Russell has, like, thrived out there. But to me, what cracks me up is that you, – you said the same thing. It's like, if they're losing. He's not really an MVP at this point. And everyone knocks on my boy Russ Westbrook. But at the same time, like, the Nug- the, the Thunder are still, like, a good team. And Paul George is playing – having an all-star year, of course, too. And – you know, we could even talk about maybe it was just Carmelo that just killed that team's chemistry. And maybe it's the same thing with um, Houston because he was there for about three weeks. But, I mean, to me, I look at this and it's only going to isolate. It's only going to create problems down the line. I give it a D- minus because I, I basketball is a team sport. It's not golf. It's not baseball where an individual player is the center of the attention. There's nobody else around. It's all on him, like the pitcher versus the hitter. It's about a consistent flow of play, and it's not like everyone has individual jobs. Like Everyone has a shot at making a basket. Everyone has a shot at an assist. And to me, I look at this going forward. It's, one, not sustainable, and two, it's going to blow this entire locker room up. I think Houston could be a first-round exit if they continue this. Yeah, I'm going to give it a, a C just off of the fact that I'm a basketball fan, and I love to see somebody pour it in. But, oh, it's amazing to watch. That's the oh, difference. Yeah. Don't, it's don't amazing to watch. But it's the reason why it's not an A or a B is because Kobe put up 81 and brought his team back from down, I believe, 15 against I, I was watching the replay game at a bar at, while I was having lunch with my buddy at the bar a couple of days ago. They had it on because of the anniversary. It was the anniversary, yeah. It's yeah. insane. So it, it's, it's very different. You know, 61 in, uh, 61 in Madison Square Garden is great to watch. You know, he tied Kobe's uh, – Kobe's number and it's cool and all, but if you can if he can keep winning and he can prove that he can keep winning, then I guess if I come on the show again, we can give it a different grade. But as of yeah. right now, he's he's taking L's and uh, catching dubs. The only argument I can only argument I have for James Harden is other than Eric Gordon, they're playing with like a G League team. That's like the one the people that are giving me arguments all over like Twitter when I posted that they made a good point. Like I looked up that roster and it's bad. Like he has nobody else to even help him other than Eric Gordon and that's like and he's like a B plus player as it is. So that's that's I mean, generous. I would even I would give Eric Gordon a B he's a he's just a scorer. It's not really like he's like this like 
Like, I mean, what do you – Clint Capella's out for four to – what was it, four to six weeks? And yeah, yeah. Because yeah, Paul's yeah. out. And, and I almost feel like with the Rockets, it was this experiment that failed. Like, can you build a team around James Harden? And clearly it's not working. I wouldn't say it hasn't worked officially yet. I mean, I, mean, I just think to... nobody can win with P.J. Tucker on your team. <laughs> yeah. Did I you mean, see the play last night? I just, want a sne- I just want a sneaker closet. Like, that's all I want. I don't well, give a crap about his The Jack, play last Tucker. night blew my mind. P.J. Tucker is the freshest player to ever average eight points a game. <laughs> Last night, uh, who was it? Eric Gordon threw him the ball in, and he, like, dodged it. Like, I, I was so confused. I, and Eric Gordon looked at him like, what are you doing? Like the LeBron <laughs> meme where his hands are sticking out. Like, J.R. Smith, I was so confused what P, what was going through P.J. Tucker's mind to be like, I should not touch this ball right now. Yeah. It was wild. I mean, Man, we could yeah. even. I mean, we could even do one more topic if you guys want quick, but, like, you see uh, last night with Devin uh, Devin Booker and my boy Gorgie Jang going at it. I'm a Wolves fan, of course, but – and Gorgie Jang after the game is like, I just wanted to swap jerseys with him afterward, but – That whole thing is – that whole thing's where the NBA is just too much. Like, Devin Booker's dragging some guy holding his jersey back. Like, come on. Devin – listen, I'll respect to D-Book because he's just a phenomenal scorer and he's a great guy, but, like – he goes in that tunnel with Gorgie Jang. Gorgie Jang drops him like a brick. Like it's. Hold on now. Hold on. I don't know if, I I don't know if you remember, but um, Devin Booker was also the one in the elevator fighting three dudes because they got on um, the little point guard from Kentucky. Uh, oh, Tyler Ulis. So he's oh. not. He, he's not. He's not afraid of a fight. I can tell you that. I, well, maybe I, then I, he, maybe I, he was serious when he was booking it. Then I just thought it was all like that NBA drama that the players like lead into. Yeah. I, that definitely goes overboard. Yeah. It was so weird. The whole fight started. And we're not even in grade this. We're just talking about it. But, oh, my God. It was just the weirdest way the fight started. I'm like, are they really? Like, what happened? Like, I mean, there was a little shoving match. But the, also the fact that it was a double tech. But each of them only got one tech and got tossed. I was like, really? <laughs> like, I thought he needed two to get chucked out of a game now. But, I mean, I don't know. But, listen, Juice, it was great having you on today, buddy. Best of luck going forward. We'll catch up with you in a couple weeks, see how the process is going. We'll have you on for maybe another uh, report card. Hopefully your Raiders aren't involved in this one. So it'll be a good time, man. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. All right, man. We want to thank our man Juice for coming on today. It was really fun having him in our first initial run of Pulpa Chair. We did a little report card today. It was fun. Juice, we appreciate you, and best of luck going forward. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the smooth jazz. And first off, Mark, you actually are going to take the lead on this one. You got a little uh, shout out to make for Belly Up right now. Yeah, so we are not a egotistical podcast here. We're all about the Belly Up Podcast Network. And we have a new podcast. It's a little 15 to 20 minute podcast that our boss, uh, Mike, thought would be a good idea. It's called What's Up Belly Up. And what that is, is basically Mike interviews everyone that works for Belly Up, people that have been there like since the beginning, people that are new, that have been involved a lot. It kind of just talks about what they're doing and what Belly Up's doing in general. It's pretty good. I listened to the one today. Like I said, it's real short and sweet. Just like a quick little 15-minute uh, podcast if you just want to pass the time or something. It's a really good listen. Like I said, talks about what's going on. Definitely give it a listen after you're done listening to us. Yeah, and just like just like the, just like them and with us, always remember, hit the subscribe button on Spotify or iTunes. And, you know, just, of course, give those guys some love on Twitter as well. But... All right, now it is time for my part of the segment. We're going to talk about, ladies and gentlemen, it's it's the week between the Super Bowl and the Championship Game Sunday, and it's the Pro Bowl week. A couple things. 
I am one of those few football fans who, regardless of how crappy it got, loved the Pro Bowl. Now that it's starting to resurge a little bit, guys are starting to hate each other, including Jamal Adams taking out a Patriots mascot and sending him to the hospital. Um, I love it. I love how high scoring it can get. I love the... like. We may never get a Sean Taylor absolutely destroying a punter again, but the Pro Bowl has its place. It's fun. I think they should move it back to the week after the Super Bowl because it just the games were better then. Guys would give it their all because of the offseason to recover. It seemed like it just flowed better. Having it before, you don't get any of the teams for the Super Bowl, so like we'll never so we're not gonna get to see Brady or Goff or Gurley in it this year or Robert Woods or any of the guys who even potentially were in their Zerline. So to me, I think that the Pro Bowl is getting better. They got away from that stupid like Team Dion versus Team Jerry Rice thing, which is ridiculous. And well, even last year, I watched the game. I thought it was great. I, I I was actually mildly entertained, and I was like, "This is actually really fun." Like they're hitting each other, and they're they're sacking the quarterback. It's it's actually pretty fun to watch. So to me, the NFL needs to go back to that being the we got the Super Bowl kind of like a final finale. It go it, bring it back to Hawaii. Enough of this Orlando crap. It's listen, the time, the city of Orlando was beautiful, but. The whole Luau, Hawaii, Aloha Stadium just it made so much. It made it so much better. And you know what? Going forward, I think the NFL should really consider that because it is a better all. It's better than the NBA All Star Game. NBA All Star Game is a freaking joke. The NHL, I, I watched it occasionally. It's not terrible. The MLB All Star Game is the best out of all of them. But the the Pro Bowl has potential to be better. It just needs to fix some things. It's it's America's favorite sport, which is football, and I think that makes it even better. So. That's my two cents, Mark. What do you think? I think that your little smooth jazz segment there was great until you said that the NBA All-Star Game is trash because it is the most entertaining. You've got these freak athletes just doing nonsense. I mean, it's not what like entertaining as a competition. They turn the defense off. It's like, okay. It was NBA Street was a phenomenal game for the it time. Was. I will probably go play in about an hour. <laughs> I have my original Xbox hooked up to my TV. I could do that. I just wish the NBA, like, I, I only, it's only, the NBA's All-Star game is fun until, like, if it's close, then they actually try to win at the end, which kind of gets interesting. But if it's, like, 160 to 140, which it, I'm pretty sure it has been close to that, uh, then it's it's just, like, they just don't really give a shit. All right, I have a fix for both of them, because that's the one thing the MLB All-Star game does better than both of them is, they play defense. And that's the thing, like, if the NBA played defense a little bit in their All-Star game and the in the Pro Bowl, they played be- even better defense than they did last year or the year before, I think it could be a perfect fit. Yeah. All-Star games, even to f- is a great thing. All-Star games are great. I just love the little skill competitions that they Those do. are fun. Those are fun to watch. That's actually on tonight, I think, at 8. I was going to say, I think it is, too. So, well, we're recording this, of course, on Thursday, but it'll be out Friday, so... But, you know... I, I honestly think the the NFL has a good niche with their with their skills competition. I think with the game, it could surpass NBA and MLB easily if they just play defense like they used to. I was watching old Pro Bowl highlights from like the '90s and early 2000s, dude. It was such a great game to watch. It was so much fun. Like I remember Deshaun Jackson's first Pro Bowl when he had two touchdowns. One was and they're both screen passes, but one was like 80 yards. I was like. 
this is great. They're actually trying to tackle him. That was the last year they actually started tackling before they made that weird rule about no hitting the quarterback. And they kind of, I think they abolished that rule last year. I'm not sure, but it's on Sunday. I'm going to watch, and it'll hopefully be entertaining. Only a couple Eagles are playing, though, which kind of sucks, but what are you going to do? Lane Johnson, Malcolm Jenkins, shout out. But um, (laughs) even though they'll they'll probably, I don't think they're going to hear this for a long, hear any of our stuff for a long time. God, if you guys are listening, what's up? So, shoot us a follow, shoot us a retweet on Twitter, man. We love y'all. But, um, yeah, that's about it for me. Mark, you got anything else? That's it. All right. One more shout-out and thank you to Juice for coming on today. Uh, We will see y'all Monday. Enjoy the weekend. This episode of The Corner Booth has been brought to you by Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Follow your host on Twitter, at Belly Up Jared and at Mark Riley.